0: Welcome to Zephyr Podcast Sessions with your host, me, Scott Howland. To find out more about Zephyr and how we're helping leading brands and businesses with customer journey orchestration, visit www.zephr.com. So hey and welcome to the Zephyr Podcast Sessions. Uh It's great to be back this week and uh, this week I'm joined by Justin. Justin, how are you today?
1: How's it going? Very good. Calling in from California this morning.
0: Absolutely. It's uh, It's been eight months since we last met and we were just saying then uh, before we started hitting record it's uh, before lockdown which was uh, back in February and uh, we were in New York and uh, you came over and we had a drink over Times Square so it was quite nice but um look it's a it, it's been crazy since then, right? It's, it's the world's changed. Oh, well, probably before that, for all the listeners, can you just do a quick intro, who you are, what you do, and uh, why you're on today?
1: I'm smiling right now because I'm thinking it almost feels like we're setting up to talk about bookends of a pandemic here, but we're yeah. really quite, st- quite still in the swing of things. But it was nice seeing you right before everything really turned back in New York, kind of the last night out in Manhattan, uh, was. so to speak. So yeah, uh, I'm Justin Wall, I'm here from salon.com and I'm going to talk a bit about my work as Chief Revenue Officer there and uh strategy that we use on site that other publishers can take a listen to and maybe learn from.
0: No, absolutely and obviously uh, it's a pleasure to have you on today, but just going back then, yeah, it's, it seems a, a long way and lots has changed since uh, since back in February Um obviously uh i think for me i when i got back i was like hey uh yeah we we're, we're going to have eight weeks lockdown it'll be fine back in may we'll be fine we'll be back out in june or something i think i said uh i think i was quite hopeful to go to the uh, the june digi day conferences and stuff like that they didn't happen um, but um no look um we're still right in the middle um and just today we're recording this uh just just as uh boris in the uk has announced that it could go on for another six months so that's always good fun um so but um so look you're doing great stuff at salon um uh, your chief revenue officer, uh, and you've kind of got a publishing strategy that you've worked on years on years uh, going forward. You've had a lot of uh, different approaches at Salon. You've tried different things. You're, you're quite happy to try different things, which is great. I think a couple of years ago, there was like kind of the cryptocurrency efforts that went on and things like that. Uh, I might ask you later how those are going or still going or what's happening there. But look. What is a publisher strategy? What does that mean?
1: So I have come into this role of chief revenue officer from uh, kind of a three-pronged path. I was leading operations, product, and business development for Salon before this role in a very all-encompassing title of director of product operations and business development. And all (laughs) those practices really have led to be uh, the inputs and the inroads for what makes kind of a successful revenue strategy. You need each of those buckets of uh, kind of operating. Uh, what's the product strategy going to be? And what are your relationships? All those things are required to have a successful overall strategy.
0: Yeah. And obviously these things change time over time and there's, there's a lot of changes going on. Where do you start when building out a strategy? Obviously, there's three kind of approaches there with your uh, very concisely named role. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be good to understand. Where do you start if you had a starting point for that?
1: Well, from the beginning, uh, when I came in at Salon, we really wanted to take a good look at what structures were in place already. I think anytime that there's a leadership change in an organization, you inherit a whole bunch of Artifacts from the past regimes and some of those things may make sense to carry through into the new Working group, but perhaps there are you know Decisions that were made in the past that don't really fit the current shape of the organization So first and foremost before you start piling new things on I think it's important to take a look at what you have existing Um, Really take a good hard look at what costs you have who are you cutting checks to every month and take a, a good look and see If there's any of that, that could be cleaned up and lightened. I mean, we started doing all this before Marie Kondo came out with her approach to tidying up your home. But the same works in the workplace. There's there's just some things that don't spark joy, that you don't need, that don't contribute at all meaningfully to your business anymore. And it's okay as an organization to move past those things and pivot and grow from there.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head there, and there's the kind of a key takeaway. Maybe from this session, completely, you have to Marie Kondo your uh, your expenses there on on the business and what's going on, and what can you do to tidy up, what can you do to to cut those and and tidy up those strategies and approaches to to the different business. Um, obviously monetization is a key thing in this landscape, and your approach to these kind of um, these strategies. Uh, <laughs> end of the day we all want to drive the revenues of businesses right that's that's how we all get paid and that's how we're all going to continue to make money in these businesses do you do you take that same approach to uh strategies and and approaches around the revenue streams as well
1: yeah absolutely i, I think there's a knee-jerk reaction to just what you have in place if you're not making enough money uh, there's certainly uh, a whole entire world of vendors out there who tell you that if you just add this tag to the page you'll you know become a profitable business but the truth is that every next thing that you add has a cost for the site as well it it can slow you down it can uh, cause just the reader experience to break and you can lose traffic so if you go up in your page rpm but you go down in your return audience you're not really coming out ahead down the road you know thirty 30 days past the decision point so it's important to not just add and add and add, but make sure that you're always working towards a healthy mix of everything, contributing both to your uh, audience and reader analytics, just as much as you are to your RPM and monetization numbers.
0: And that that yeah, as, as it is hugely valuable. Those kind of that kind of understanding. Um, how, in your experience, have you seen this change? Has there been a change? Obviously, monetization, and we take this back to march for example uh, advertising revenues did drop um uh, they they took a hit but it was more eyes on the page um but lower obviously uh, uh cpms and and kind of payments coming out from the is that something to look out for how do you kind of respond in situations like that if if kind of ads are driving that or subs are driving that how, how do you respond to that
1: so in the very beginning of the pandemic in in march um salon saw the same hit that the rest of the industry did which is a, a pretty significant drop in our ad rates overall across the board. And we said, um, trying to fix this and remedy our ad rates in the short term is not likely to work out for us. This is industry-wide. This is globally. This is not something that uh, we are really thinking we're going to drive major change for, you know, 10 units of work might have yielded one small step forward for us in monetization but if we applied 10 units of work towards our content strategy at the same time we thought we might move ahead uh, quite more meaningfully in terms of not just getting more page views but also building an audience that we could hold on to so that when uh, monetization efforts were more efficient and economic to invest in uh, the audience and the base would be there to get more value out of it so we really looked heavy duty at our content strategy in the beginning uh, of kind of the COVID-19 era and focused on that much more so than uh, our ad rates just for the short term, because we knew the audience would stay with us if we could attract them and, and keep them.
0: Again, it's key to all of this, right? Having a good audience in there, engaged audience is always going to en- enhance that engagement, enhance that experience for them. What... um. Hey, you, you sort of answered my question now. I was going to say, is better content one of the answers to this? But no, that's kind of answered that. Oh, I, when you're looking at better content, how do you judge if it's better content? Is it more engagement? Is it more better quality content? How how do you look at that from a, from a revenue perspective, from your perspective?
1: Sure. So uh, we marry analytics from the monetization side of the house by looking at uh, RPM and session RPM by article, by category, by writer, by topic, uh, any, any way that I could slice it and, and create trends, I do. And I share that with my editor-in-chief so we can really analyze the direction of uh, her output and how it's translating into uh, monetization for the business. And in those trends, we're able to see, um, okay, if I know that my food content has my highest RPM overall, which it does, um, I, that's an initial indication to invest more in that type of content. But then, because we're looking at that alongside content analytics, I can also see uh, relative uh, time on page is longer for those articles, session depth is great for readers who have also engaged with at least one piece of food content in their reader journey. Um, and so all of that indicates to us hey, let's shift some resources internally towards more food. Uh, we can get more partner content for food. We can write more original stories for food. And we can move people over to work on those things from areas of the business that weren't performing as well on both the content and monetization side.
0: And that's interesting. Obviously, the the food content can be uh, key in all of that. And obviously, we we all see how clicks on social media when someone puts a great food article on. I'm the first to click through and have a look at that uh, and and try and work out what I'm going to attempt to cook and probably ruin in my house uh, when I go forwards. But um, obviously, that... That's kind of key. I I, I guess that's a big kind of change over the last, uh, say, five years is how close our product has become with um, uh, the editorial team. Right. And we're seeing that we're seeing that a lot. Marketing, business, commercial. They want to have they want to be closer to the products. They want to be closer to driving those revenue streams, looking at analytics, reporting. Do you think that's key going forward? Do you think that's going to come closer? Where do you see that going in the future?
1: It certainly has been helpful to foster an overall team spirit amongst leadership at Salon. The fact that we could sit down together and not just review financial performance information as a slide in in my deck on my agenda, but that it's actually cared about by leadership across the board because it means something for their business too. I think it's gone a long way to making it just a a stronger, more collaborative environment on our team. And and I, I hope, you know, that more organizations do fold in cross department analytics in, in this way to just work better overall
0: no absolutely and uh it's something key to going forward uh with that approach i believe so so taking that uh is there any kind of newer revenue strategies you're looking at there's something you're pushing or anything like that that you can share obviously uh, i'd like to touch on obviously you were one of the kind of first to, to drive into the cryptocurrency market back in i guess 2018 when it was all all uh, all singing and dancing back then, uh, obviously that's changed a little bit since I guess, but is that something you're still doing, still looking at, or is that being canned now? <laughs> it's been canned.
1: So uh, <laughs> the idea was to offer our readers an alternate way to monetize the site uh, with instead of enabling ads. So we have tried many different messaging over the years for people with ad blockers to say, you know, either whitelist us, we've tried um, metered approaches saying you can come into the site with your ad blocker X number of times before you need to whitelist or pay. We've put up a hard wall for very short periods of time to test that as well. Um, All different options. And the crypto strategy really was a part of that as well. Or I, I really should say the blockchain strategy to be more correct. But the idea was that someone could allow for Uh, mining of cryptocurrency to occur from their browser during their session as an alternative to letting us run traditional display ads. But what ended up happening uh, was that we got a good lesson in crypto mining, uh, which is that you really need a strong machine to be efficient in the mining process. And when people were running from their browser and browser resources alone, um, we weren't efficiently mining that, so we weren't getting any real meaningful return, even though we had users opting in to do it for us.
0: No, absolutely, and I think that was uh, yeah, back in 2017, 2018, some of the the stacks people were having to mine those bitcoins were uh, crazy. But yeah, blockchain as a whole, I think there's a way forward for that somewhere. But uh, I'm sure we'll see some innovation around that uh, going yeah. forward.
1: I can't I can answer your question more more uh, more currently though in terms of strategies and things that we're doing for revenue now today. Um, it, it all really does begin with paying attention to our audience, uh, more closely than ever starting in March and realizing where we had success. So I alluded to a bit of this with our food content, but more than just putting forward more effort into producing food, we saw greater and greater success with original content. And as a publisher, um, Original, breaking, investigative—that type of work is always desirable, but it's also kind of the most expensive to produce. So until you have results going for you to show that there's a return on on that editorial investment, uh, depending on what your cash flow is and where you're sitting financially, it could be hard to decide to go forward with with those expenses. But we were able to, luckily, ladder our way towards feeling more and more comfortable putting resources in that direction, and it has evolved to not just be more food content as a revenue play. But um, more original food content has moved into more original news reporting. And as the original and breaking and investigative voices from Salon emerge, it gives us more opportunity for other products. So one of our current initiatives is to expand our newsletter business far more broadly than it had been before with a ton of dedicated newsletters that all come from an original reporting perspective from Salon staff. So because we have this new take on our newsletter products, instead of just aggregating content from the site, uh, because we're going to be writing letters that come from uh, an, original, an original perspective, uh, we, we expect to see our newsletter funnel become a source of more and more loyal readers. Uh, so there is an expectation and a forecast to convert newsletter recipients to subscribers over the next nine to 12 months, and expand our current set of subscribers who really come from the website looking for an ad-free experience or just to simply support the journalism that they like. We're not funneling anybody from a newsletter stream into subscriptions yet, but this is a, a big area of opportunity for us.
0: Absolutely. And we're seeing that across across all these different stacks, sub-stack, massive kind of approach to that with their newsletter approach uh, and people earning a shed load of monthly revenue coming back off some of their Substack uh newsletters and things like that and obviously we'll we'll see what happens with that data going forwards. Um but look, um any kind of um if I could, if you could leave a couple of key tips, takeaways uh that you can share about people creating the publishing strategy, um what would they be?
1: I I really do want to lean into the the recommendation of having your revenue strategy Be informed by your content strategy. Make sure that you are not just creating more value on the pages that you have, but that you are working towards generating more views and more readership and more loyalty over time so that those returns can continue to compound for you as time goes on. It should should be a long-term strategy that publishers have in mind that we are building a product that will be viewed not just in the near term by an audience who discovers us, but over and over again as they come back because they found something that they appreciate and value. And the revenue strategy is tied to that long-term return viewer, not just the, the one-off quick, quick hit that you get from uh, one single successful story.
0: No, that's a, that's, a, that's a great little key tip there. So thank you for that. And um I've got a couple of random questions for you at the end here and we're going to see where see where these go. So firstly is um I'm I'm just curating a, a feel good playlist uh music uh, I'm going to release uh, over the next few weeks. Uh what would be your song of choice to add to that playlist? So
1: luckily I have been uh spending a lot of time in the car and listening to all kinds <laughs> of music as I make my way across the country. But the Substack, actually, the Flow State Substack newsletter has been a fantastic source of kind of morning music for me. Um, Excellent tracks that are designed or curated to be listened to while you're starting your workday. So you get anywhere from 60 to, I don't know, three hours worth of music recommended by them daily. and, And it really can set you up for morning reporting, morning emails, good things to listen to as you go. So, big shout out to the Flow State Substack group. But uh, Arthur Russell, First Thought, Best Thought has been uh, an awesome album of instrumental and atmospheric stuff to listen to while working and to just kind of stay in a positive space. not your poppy selection but uh certainly something that if you're looking to listen to between podcasts might be might be good for some productive work
0: so uh yeah (laughs) slight update justin went off and uh thought about his song choice and uh sent me a soundbite to uh to, to add into the session well let's hear it now i gotta tell you scott
1: i've been thinking about my music recommendation pretty much all day since we spoke and I just don't think that First Thought, Best Thought is an album that's going to appeal to the whole audience of your show. I mean, for one thing, I, I said that it was, you know, a, a flow state, lo fi kind of a thing, and I explained it was for work, but I didn't really give away that it's heavy duty instrumental and, and low key stuff. So I wanted to call back in, if you will, and recommend. Uh, Lane 8's album, Cross Pollination, that came out this year. Uh, Way more upbeat, just as easy to work to, and I think a little bit better for the crowd. The uh, humor and irony of the first recommendation isn't lost on me. First thought, best thought. Uh, Maybe I should take the lesson and delete this voice memo before I send it in to you. But I think overall people are going to be happy with the Lane 8 pick. So Go check out Cross Pollination*. It's on Spotify.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to try that out tomorrow when I'm, uh, I'm back online. So uh, appreciate that. And last question from me. Um, let's throw it back and we actually get to go to a bar together again uh, come whenever this ends. Uh, what's your go-to drink of choice?
1: Oh, for a long while, it's been mezcal. Mezcal has been shining for me and uh, has replaced kind of the tequila soda across the board that we saw just replaced, I guess, rosé in New York. You know, the New York City hampton's montauk scene was very heavily to, uh and the evolution from that to Mescal has been really good uh, i recommend uh, a, a label or vintage called neta n-e-t-a worth checking out for sure in the Mescal family
0: i'll go and check out neta no i appreciate that uh look thank you very much justin for your time uh, i know it's early for you uh and uh, obviously we're doing this across various different time zones now um good luck in uh in california um hopefully when all this is over we can go and grab a uh Uh, a and uh and have a drink together and uh yeah catch up again but look appreciate this Uh,
1: until 2021 in brooklyn
0: yeah whenever that is right i've got a flight waiting i just don't know when i can take it (laughs) appreciate your time and uh let's catch up soon okay bye-bye